Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons Podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au. It's, uh, it's great to be here. I'm excited to, to be speaking this morning. So thanks for joining us. Um, how good is the, the team doing? We've got Ruben and Dylan and Max and Sarah on this morning and they're killing it. They're doing a great job uh, keeping it all going. They've got like these little headsets now and they're talking to each other like, okay, go to camera one, camera one, okay, camera two. They're like a full professional. It's like a TV studio in here now. It's insane. So these guys have really gone up to the next level and it's fun to watch. Um, but this morning, uh, I want to I tell, start with a story, I guess. Have you ever had a moment... Uh, we've had like a really close call, maybe a near-death experience, maybe something really dangerous, or a moment where you've just like panicked or freaked out. I'm sure all of us have. Um, I was thinking this week about it, and I've definitely, I remember one of these moments I had where I was spearfishing. I did a lot of spearfishing when I was younger, as a, as a teenager growing up, and I remember I had my little hand spear, I didn't have a spear gun, just a little hand spear, and I was out in the water, and a lot of my friends had gone into shore, um, and... I remember I was in water that was pretty shallow. I was probably only like a meter off the sand or off the bottom of the floor, off, off the ocean. And I'm looking around just for, for fish and, and stuff. And all of a sudden I see this big dark shadow kind of coming underneath me. And, and straight away I'm freaking out. And I realize this is a huge manta ray. Um, at like wider than my arms can reach and it's swimming right underneath me and it was so close that I could have like reached my hand down and touched it and so I'm trying to like not touch this huge stingray and this is like months after Steve Irwin's been killed by a stingray so I'm thinking I'm the next Steve Irwin like I'm about to die and so this thing's swimming underneath me and I remember in that moment my first instinct was to get out of there like just swim as fast as I could to kick to just like whatever I needed to do but I knew that I had to stay calm and if I did that, it might spook the manta ray and the little spear, the spearfisher, right? And he's going to get me. And then my in second instinct, after I kind of thought about that, I was like, maybe I should stab it. Maybe I should stab it with my spear. And that is such a stupid idea. So I was talked myself out of that one. That is not a good idea. And so I just tried to stay calm. And I remember I'm doing shallow breaths, like <sighs> just trying to calm myself down. And my heart's racing a million miles an hour. And the thing finally just gradually takes his time and he moves on. And I remember I got out of the water straight away and I'm just sitting on the shore, adrenaline surging through my body, just like, oh, like I was shaking. And, um, but I remember thinking in that moment, like, man, when you panic, like I could not think straight. I almost did the two dumbest things I could have done. But my, my natural instinct when I was afraid was to do the wrong thing. And who knows what could have happened if I had freaked out or panicked. But instead, I managed to somehow talk myself down and just stay calm for long enough that this thing could, could leave. And so I want to talk today a little bit about fear. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about making good decisions. Um, and I want to preach a message called The Mind Killer. The Mind Killer. Now, uh, it's, it's funny that as I was preparing this message, uh, last week, I've been preparing it for two weeks, three weeks, and I remember last week, Adrian came to church, we're helping out, and he shows us his, his message title, and I'm like, he's talking about fear, that's what I was going to talk about next week. And I was like, this guy's stolen my message. And so straight away, I'm, I'm panicking, as, as you do when you're talking about fear, you start freaking out yourself, that's always a good thing to do. So I'm, I'm freaking out, I'm like, man, this, he's going to steal my message, and Adrian's going to preach a better message than I can do, and 
oh, I've just been preparing this for nothing. But anyway, Adrian preaches his message. It was great. And, and it actually leaves in a good spot for me to kind of continue it. So I think it's, it's funny that maybe God is actually trying to tell us something. I think it's funny that both Adrian and I have thought for the last two weeks we want to talk about fear. So I think maybe God's trying to tell us something this morning. So I, I challenge you this morning to do something that takes a bit of courage to actually prepare your heart, to prepare your heart to allow God to speak to you. I know that so often I just want to kind of listen and, and, and even applying the wisdom that is shared, I, I apply it to someone else and I'm like, oh, this would be really good for this person here. But I'm not thinking about myself when it's being preached because I don't want to. I don't want to get into the mess of my life. And so I encourage you to do something courageous this morning and say, God, show me what's going on in my own heart. Speak to me this morning. Challenge me. Show me the things that need to change. And invite God into this moment. So I'm going to pray and I challenge you to do that. It's one little step you can do that's a bit scary. But I challenge you to fight that fear and invite God into this moment, wherever you are in your homes. And and invite Him in that He would speak to you this morning and change something to transform you this morning in 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 a real way. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank You so much for the sun that is shining. I thank You for this beautiful day that You have made. I thank You for every person that is is watching, that is joining us right now, either live or, or later on. I pray that you would speak to them, Holy Spirit. God, we just come against fear in the name of Jesus. We want to break fear this morning over our lives. God, we don't want to buckle to fear any longer. We don't want it to destroy us. God, we want to be people of faith, be people of hope, be people of purpose. Would you come and challenge us this morning? Challenge me, God. Transform us, Father. This wouldn't just be another Sunday, but it would be a moment where we encounter you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, I've been reading this book called Dune, or Dune, I don't know how you meant to say it, D-U-N-E. I'm sure a lot of you guys have read this book. It's by Frank Herbert. It's a book that, a sci-fi kind of novel that was written in the 60s. And uh, it's a super popular book. And I was recommended it by a bunch of people who, who think it's just a fantastic book. You've got to read it. And I see the size of the book. I'm like, I'm not, that's a massive book. I'm not reading that. But anyway, we go into lockdown and of course I'm like, well, maybe I should read this book. So I've been reading Dune and and it's been great actually. It starts off a bit, to me, a bit boring, confusing. I don't know what's going on, but you get into it and it's been actually really, really good little sci-fi bit of fiction fun. So I encourage you to go read it. And then I found out this week they're making a movie, which I didn't even know about. So that's like perfect timing. I've just watched, read the book. Now I can watch the movie. You know, the Lord does miracles, people. God is not dead. He is alone. Um, so I've been reading this book and, and it's about this young man called Paul Atreides. And he is, uh, he's a young guy who basically has been raised up by, these, by his, his mom, who's a Bene Gesserit, which is basically this type of people that are almost like religious. And, and she basically trains him in this like incredible intuition. That's his superpower. He like can read people. He can read a room. He can read a situation. And he can almost like see what's happening in the unseen world in the in the unseen realms and he gets to a point where he gets so powerful with this skill that he can almost like be in a situation and see every possible outcome that can happen and so it's kind of an interesting superpower it sounds kind of confusing and it is a little bit but but in this book this this young guy he's continually faced with dangers and and terrifying situations near-death experiences and multiple times in the book he has this little mantra that he kind of says to himself that he's been taught by his mother and this, I want to read it to you because this is, this is really cool. So as he's freaking out, he repeats this to himself over and over again. And he says, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. 
I will permit it to pass over me and through me, and when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. And he kind of keeps saying that to himself when he manages to calm himself down long enough that he can think and make a good decision in those moments. Now, this is a fictional book. It's not a real story, but the truth here is actually very powerful and it's actually very biblical. Fear is the mind killer. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about making good choices and how fear actually leads us to making bad choices, poor choices. Fear will kill your mind. So today I want to look at Saul, a guy in the Bible, Saul the king, and he was Israel's first king. He was the first king that that was anointed and was appointed as king over Israel. Um, and so the people wanted, wanted a king. They didn't just want to serve God anymore. They wanted a king to rule over them just like the other nations. So, so this guy Saul is chosen. He becomes their king. And Samuel is the prophet who kind of uh, is, is, is speaking what God is saying to the people. And so Samuel anoints Saul. And in this time, uh, Israel is, is at war with a lot of different kingdoms. There's the Philistines and the Amalekites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and they're all kind of fighting for control and for rule and for all of this stuff. And so God says he's going to be with his people, the Israelites. And so Saul goes to war. And as he goes to this, this specific battle, God says, okay, I want you to go to battle against these guys. But when you, you, when you have victory, I want you to destroy everything. I don't want you to keep anything. I want you to get rid of everything, all the cattle, all the sheep, all of the plunder, everything. I want it to be gone. And, and so Saul goes to battle and he wins this war. But, and I've got my physical Bible this morning. If you've got a physical Bible, put like a little Bible emoji or something in the chat. Uh, I, I still believe in the, in the physical Bible. So I'm going to read here this morning from uh, 1 Samuel 15. And so this is what happens after Saul has, has beaten the Amalekites. It says in verse 7, then Saul... Uh, sorry, no, in verse 8. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Now, it's funny, that's not what God said. God said to destroy everything and get rid of all of the plunder. And so Samuel God tells Samuel, I want you to go speak to Saul. He's done the wrong things. Samuel goes and finds Saul. And in verse 13, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. He said, may the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's command. He's happy. He's won the victory. He's like, hey, it's a great day. We've done it. And Samuel kind of puts him in his place. He says, then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lower of cattle I can hear? Samuel demanded. And, and Saul says, it's true, the army spared the best of the sheep, cattle and goats, Saul admitted, but they were going to, sacri- but, uh, so they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We've destroyed everything else. And so Samuel then reprimands Saul and they kind of go back and forth. Saul says, I didn't do anything wrong. I did the right thing. And Samuel says, no, you didn't. He says, obedience, you know, is better than sacrifice. And, and, he, and he kind of keeps reprimanding. And eventually we get down to verse 24 and Saul says this, Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. So we get down to it. Saul actually wasn't wanting to do it because he wanted to please God, because he wanted to offer sacrifices to God. His real reason, the root of why he did what he did is because he was afraid. Throughout the, the books of First and Second Samuel, you see again and again and again that Saul is constantly afraid, afraid of what people think. He doubts his ability as a leader. He's so concerned 
with other people's opinion. And he has a really bad case of like, he has fear of man, right? So instead of obeying, Saul does what he thinks will make the people happy. He does what he thinks others want him to do. He wants to impress them. And it's funny to me in this, in this story how he continually tries to justify why he did what he did. He says, you know, this isn't a bad thing. I've, I've kept all this stuff so I can offer it to God. I'm not, you know, it's, it's going to be good. It's okay. It's, we've worked it out. But when we get down to it, his motivation wasn't actually to please God. His motivation was fear. And he was trying to justify his actions with something that sounded good. Because on the outside, that sounds like a good idea. It sounds like, well... Giving the best to God is a great idea. It sounds logical, but that wasn't really what was going on in Saul's heart. He was disobeying and he was actually driven by fear. So my question to you and to myself, how many times do we try and do we make a decision because we're afraid, but we try and justify it and make it sound like it was actually a decision made out of wisdom? It's getting hot in here. It's not just me, right? We even try and fool ourselves with this. We, we think that, uh, you know, uh, we try and convince ourselves that, no, I'm not, you know, if, if I do this or whatever, it's actually, it's actually really wise. But the reason we're actually making that call is because we're scared. There's been so many times where I uh, have done or haven't done a thing because I was scared. And I, and I try and rationalize it to myself. I try and rationalize it to others. I try and make it sound like it was a really good, well thought through decision. But if I was honest with myself and courageous enough, I would admit to myself that the real reason I made that decision is because I was scared. Fear led to a bad choice for Saul, and ultimately Saul loses the throne. He continually disobeys, and he gets second chance, third chance, fourth chance, and, and eventually that's it for him. And David becomes the new king. And in fact, as you read the story of Saul, you will see that fear is ultimately his undoing. I wanted to include like, there's so many different examples of this in so many places where Saul makes a decision out of fear and it's a bad decision. But I can't highlight them all this morning just simply because of time. So I encourage you to go back and maybe this week, read through First and Second Samuel and just try and highlight or have a look at all the areas where you see Saul was afraid and what he did when he was afraid. It's incredible how much, how much fear this guy had in his life and how fear was his ultimate undoing. There was no faith. There was no optimism. There was no trust in God. There was no believing for the impossible. He starts out kind of okay right at the beginning. And then it's just downhill from there. And in fact, the reason Saul wants to kill David is because he's afraid of David. And he keeps trying to kill him. And then David, you know, succeeds and God blesses him and he prospers. And Saul becomes more afraid of him and he wants to kill him. And it's just like this vicious cycle. Fear ruled Saul's heart. Now, David was a different king. And don't get me wrong, David made mistakes. Definitely. Some big mistakes. But ultimately, David had faith in God. David believed God could do the impossible. David was obedient to God. And David didn't let fear rule his heart. There were times where David made a decision because he was afraid and it wasn't a good outcome, um, especially when he's trying to transport the Ark of the Covenant from enemy territory. He's trying to bring it back to Israel. You know, the Ark tips over. A guy goes out to steady it. He touches the Ark of the Covenant. If you've seen Indiana Jones, it's basically what happens. The guy dies from just touching the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence is. And it says David was afraid. David was like, what are we doing? Like, we, we have to, like, I can't do this. And so David actually just dumps the ark at this guy Obed-Edom's house and he leaves it there. And Obed-Edom actually prospers because he has God's presence there with him. And so David makes a bad call because he was afraid. And so there's so many times where this happens, even with David, but overall David was obedient and David chose to go to faith and David chose to go to God, 
in these times. I want to highlight a story that I'm sure most of you have seen, but David is running from his, for his life. He's been anointed as the future king of Israel. He's running because Saul's trying to kill him. Uh, his enemies are trying to kill him. Everyone wants him dead, basically. And the only people David has is this little band of misfits he's put together um, who are all outcasts from different places. And he kind of trains them up to be warriors and they go and they conquer and they, and they actually do a, some really cool stuff. But these are the only guys that David has left. And so David's leading this little troop and uh, they go out and they win a little battle and they come back to camp and the Amalekites have raided them and everything is gone. They've lost everything they own. They've lost their sons, their daughters, their wives, their families. Everything has been taken and captured and, and taken away. And so this is what it says in uh, verse in, hold the phone. This is what, where it's bad to have a physical Bible, right? Um, so in verse 30, I've lost it. I'm going to go to my digital one. Cringe. Um, First Samuel 30, verse 6, it says this, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. So now even David's own guys want to kill him. Literally everyone on the planet wants him dead. And it says this, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And David in this moment goes and actually prays. He gets away and he goes and he cries out to God. He says, God, what do I do? God, I need help right now. And he reaches out, he cries out to God. And, and he basically says, God, do I go chase these guys? Are we going to succeed? Are we going to be beaten even more? Like, what do I do? And God says, yeah, go. I've got you back. You're going to win. And so David actually manages to go back to these guys who want to kill him and convince them that they need to go and, and defeat these guys that have taken their families. And so they go and they actually win back everything. Nothing was lost. The Bible says that not even one thing was lost to them. They won back everything. It's a miracle. And, and I was imagining, you know, if Saul was in this same position, if this was Saul and his little, his little troop and he was running for his life and, and these guys then wanted to kill Saul, Saul would have done everything he could to save his own skin. Saul definitely wouldn't have had the courage to actually, I don't even think it, it would be an option in his mind to think that he could motivate these guys to go and fight another battle. But David found faith, David found strength in God. Are you starting to see the power that fear has? Are you starting to see the power that, that God's presence has, the power that faith has? Fear is the mind killer. You will not make your best decisions out of fear. Fear is the soul killer. Fear, fear will destroy your life. Fear literally shuts down the, the creative part of your brain. Adrian talked about this a little bit last week. It, it activates the survival part of your brain, the fight or flight kind of mode. And it literally like just focuses all your brain's energy into this tiny little, uh, tiny little part of your brain where it's like you need to make a really quick decision. Do I run? Do I fight? What do I do? And so fear will actually, which is, which is great when you're in a dangerous situation because that's, that should be your instinct. But sometimes, it's, especially when it comes to making big decisions, decisions about your future, it's not a, a moment where we need to be making those survival instinct decisions. Those are times where we need creativity. And, and so fear will literally shut down the part of your mind that is creative. And so you can't think big picture. You can't take a step back and think about, okay, let's just take a step back and look at this, what I want to do. All you can see is the problem with fear you can't think creatively and think okay maybe I can find a way out of this maybe I could think outside of the box you your brain won't work like that fear will literally shut down your mind 
So when it comes to making good decisions, creative decisions, big picture decisions, fear is the enemy. Fear is not helpful. Fear is projecting a a negative outcome. Fear is believing that there is going to be a negative outcome. And and faith is projecting a a positive outcome. Faith is, is, is believing that the impossible can happen. Faith is believing for a better outcome. Now, I think this message is, is timely, not only because it seems like God's been speaking to Adrian and me about the exact same thing, which is funny, but I think this is timely because I think uh, one of the greatest threats at the moment in our society, in our world, is fear. Not even COVID. I think what's, what's actually killing everyone right now in this moment is fear. COVID is a real risk, and there are people that are getting sick and dying from it, but, but people's souls are dying because of fear. You know, you can actually get the vaccine, you can wear a mask, you can wash your hands properly, you can do all of the right things, you can even get through this whole pandemic and never get COVID, but ultimately your soul will still be destroyed because your heart is ruled by fear. Fear is a real enemy in this moment and and we need to be aware of that. We have all our attention on this disease and we're not looking at our own hearts. How are our hearts going? How's my mind going? What am I consuming uh, what, what is my mind being consumed with? What is motivating my decisions right now? Fear is rampant in our society right now. People are afraid of so many things. People are afraid of getting COVID and dying. People are afraid of their family getting it and dying, their friends. People are afraid of, of loved ones getting sick. People are afraid of losing their jobs. People are afraid of losing their freedoms. People are afraid, no matter which side of the fence you're on. And if we don't learn to go to faith and find strength in Jesus, fear will be the thing that ultimately destroys us. It will destroy your soul. There are so many decisions to be made at this time. That's why it's such a crucial time because there are a lot of decisions, important decisions that need to be made in this season. And there's also a lot of fear in this season. It's like a bad combo. But we need to realize that we can't make our best decisions when we're afraid. I want to warn you today to not let fear be your primary motivator, but instead go to God, find strength in Him and in His presence and go to faith. Believe for a better outcome. Allow your mind to be open and to think creatively and to think and use wisdom and and use hope and use all of those things to inform your decisions. I actually want to share about a decision that Hannah and I had to make this week, which is funny because uh, I'm, I'm preparing this message on making, not making decisions out of fear. And then Hannah and I were kind of forced into making a decision this last week. And there was a lot of fear behind it. And I want to share this story, not because I've got it hands down and, you know, I've managed to, I never get afraid anymore. I'm just always a faith man. No, I want to share this story because I was afraid this week and Hannah was afraid. And, and this is kind of how we processed it and worked it out. And so I'm hoping that maybe you can, Find something that helps you with where you're at right now. You might be facing a bigger, scarier decision than the one we faced. But this, this week, Hannah and I, are, uh, for those of you who don't know, Hannah is 30 weeks pregnant, which is very exciting. We've got a new bub coming very soon. And, uh, and so we're excited about that. But uh, for a while, the, the medical professionals were recommending that pregnant women don't get vaccinated, that they wait until after they've had the baby to get vaccinated. That's kind of what they were saying early on, um, simply because we just don't have the testing. We don't have the information about what happens long-term to a baby after, after the woman's had the vaccine. And so they were just being cautious, saying it might be best just to wait and see what happens. And so that was originally what was happening. And so we were like, okay, we, we feel okay about that. Well, let's just wait a little bit. Um, but then 
and there wasn't much suggestion, uh, so much evidence to suggest that babies who were born to a mum who's had COVID were worse off. Uh, a lot of these babies are still being born healthy, and so we're like, okay, that's okay. So we're trying to find information and find unbiased sources to, to inform our decision. And, and Hannah works, she's a midwife, and she works at the hospital, and, and a lot of her midwife friends are pregnant, and they were making the same decision. We're like, okay, these guys are kind of medical, and there was doctors and, and every, everyone in that field. And so we're like, we feel good about this decision. Anyway, then there comes a point where the government needs to hit these certain targets in order for everyone to get vaccinated and all of a sudden they're saying okay pregnant women should definitely get vaccinated now and so we're like straight away our first reaction is like well really is that the government saying that is that like is there any political agenda here is that really the medical professionals saying that like what swapped all of a sudden and so um we were just being cautious so we're trying to find out we're trying to find an unbiased decision to say okay there is actually a lot of evidence to say it's going to be fine it's okay so we're trying to do our research which is really hard to find an unbiased decision i don't know if you know if you've been on the internet but everyone's got an opinion and everyone brings an agenda to their reason so anyway we're trying to find this stuff out and make a good decision and uh anyway we get to a point where we decided um we, we might still just wait. We might just wait because Hannah's getting close now, right? She's 30 weeks. If we can just hold off, Hannah's going to go on maternity leave pretty soon. And anyway, maybe we'll get it after that. But then last week, the, her, Hannah's work basically said, we made a decision. All nurses need to get the vaccine. Otherwise, you can't come to work on the next week. So we're we have one week to make our decision now. So, so we, then that's enforcing our decision. So we're like, okay, God, you got to help us here. I'm trying to be wise about this. I'm trying not to let fear motivate my decision, but I want to be. I want to do the right thing. And so the fears that were, were leading my decisions, the fear that was ruling my heart at that moment was I was afraid, okay, that if we get the vaccine, Hannah's probably going to be all right. There's a lot of studies to show that. The baby's probably going to be fine short term. But what if long term, our bub has like a compromised immune system or something worse? Like what if that happened? We just don't know. And so I was afraid of what could happen. I'm projecting a negative outcome. And, and then I thought, okay, if we don't get the vaccine, what if Hannah gets COVID? What if Hannah gets super sick? What if she died? Like, what if the baby got sick in the womb and, and, and died? And so my brain's going to that place. And I'm afraid that if we don't get it, and then I'm thinking, well, what if Hannah loses her job? How are we going to make that work? And so there's fear on every side. And I didn't know which decision to make. Hannah didn't know which decision to make. We want to be wise. We want to do what's, what's best. And we didn't want fear to rule our decision. So we, we were just crying out to God. We prayed separately. We prayed together. And, uh, and one of the nights as we're praying together, um, God, uh, uh, we're, we're praying. And, and I just kind of felt this come to mind, like uh, God just saying, I'm with you. And I got this verse in Isaiah, and I just kind of come to mind that talks about you know, uh, though you go through the fires, you know, you will not be harmed for the Lord your God is with you. And Hannah, Hannah kind of says, after I share that with her, she says, I kind of got the same thing. God just saying, I'm with you. And so it was funny in that moment, after a lot of prayer, that, uh, that we didn't actually get the answer. God didn't say, I want you to go get vaccinated, or I want you to to leave your job and no, never get vaccinated. We didn't get a clear answer like that. We, what we got though is we got peace. In that moment, the fear was gone. And, and so no longer was fear ruling my heart. I felt like, you know what? God is big. Like God is so much bigger than this struggle, than this issue, than this decision we have to make. 
my God is so good. And, and, and again and again, God has proven to us in our, in our journey that he is faithful. And, and there's been times where things have gone wrong, but God somehow manages to turn it out for our good. And it's incredible. I feel like I'm blessed above and beyond what I deserve. And that's just God. That's as we've continued to surrender our lives to God, he, he makes a way. And so we felt like in that moment, we didn't get the answer, but we, we got peace. And, and we can now make a decision without fear in our minds, where, where, we, where fear was impacting our decision. And so we find, kind of felt like God was saying, you know what? It's up to you. Whatever you decide, I've got your back. And so Hannah did. Hannah went and got vaccinated. And, uh, and we still feel good about that. Baby's still healthy and, and all of that. And so if the baby comes out with four arms and one eye, you'll know why. But uh, we, we feel good about our decision and we know that God is faithful and God is going to make it all work out. Now, I'm not saying that something bad might not happen. That's a crazy thing. But I know that I trust God. I know that no matter what happens, God is good and God is bigger and it's going to actually be okay no matter what happens. He, he is so faithful. And he has again and again proved himself to us to just bring goodness and peace and joy and life into our lives. So we trust him. And so it, it, it didn't give us the answer, but it brought confidence. It brought peace. It brought assurance and all of those things we needed in that season. So that's kind of where we've been at this just this last week. I don't know if it was even wise to share that. You know, some people like to keep it close to their chest, what they're deciding to do. I just am one of those people that probably says more than I should and reap the consequences later. But uh, that's where we're at right now. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to, to turn to God this week. You are making some decisions that I don't have to make. You've got big decisions to make. I encourage you not to let fear rule your mind, not to let fear be your primary motivator like it was for Saul because you won't make your best decisions when you're afraid. I encourage you to go to God this week, just like David did, to turn to God, cry out to God, God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm in a bad situation. Would you please help me? Would you come through? And it's not an instant thing. It's not just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you just do 30 seconds a day and you will see a dramatic imp improvement in your life. There's no formula. God is a person. And he, and he wants to meet with you. He wants to spend time with you. And what, I, what is crazy is that when you want peace, you've got to actually spend time with the source of peace. You see, peace is actually a byproduct of spending time with God. It's not, it's not a thing in itself. You actually can't have peace without God. Some people want, want peace, but they don't want anything to do with God. And you won't find it. God is the source of peace. And so if you want that, I encourage you just to spend time in God's presence. And He will give you everything you need. He will satisfy your soul. Jesus wants to meet with you this week. He wants to spend time with you. And it might take longer than you want it to. It might take more time than you want it to. And that's okay. Reach out to God. Cry out to God. God, I need you. I want to meet with you. Come and reveal yourself to me. Speak to me. Show me as you're reading through the word that something would stand out as you're, as you're going through your day that maybe a, a, a word or an image would come to mind. Like, or maybe someone would speak some wisdom into your life at the right time. There are so many ways that God speaks to us. But I know that as you reach out to him and as you spend time in his presence and as you get still before him and as you open your heart to him and as you surrender your life and you trust him, God will reveal himself to you. The Bible says, again and again that if you seek you will find if you seek God you will find him as you draw near to God God will draw near to you that is a promise 
And God wants to meet with you more than you want to meet with Him. And so I encourage you this week to seek Him, to seek His presence. And as you, as you find you're in His presence, as you find you're, you're in the presence of God, you will find that peace is, is given to your heart. You will find that, that you find joy, you find life, you find creativity, you find wisdom, you find hope. You'll find all of these things, these blessings as you spend time in God's presence, as you spend time with the Creator, our good, good Father. So this week, that's my challenge for you. I know you've got some decisions to make, and I just wanted to warn you about fear being the mind killer, and I want to encourage you and motivate you and hopefully challenge you to go to faith, go to God, and see Him do something you thought was impossible. See Him bring peace in the middle of of a, of a situation that you thought you could never experience peace in. God wants to meet with you this week in a powerful way. Would you cry out to Him? Would you reach out to Him? Allow Him to to meet with you. Maybe you've never done that before. Be honest with Him. God can take it. God, I don't know about all of this stuff. God, I don't don't know what I believe, but but if, if you're real, I want to meet with you. God loves honest prayers like that. And He wants to meet with you. So that's it for me this morning, church. We're going to go into a time of, of communion where we're going to remember Jesus and what He did for us. That Jesus died on the cross and He was raised again that we could have life and life abundantly. Not that we could live life and just survive and just barely scrape through, but we could live an abundant life no matter what's going on externally. That's what God wants for you. And so Jesus died. He paid the price for your sin. He, 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 he took on the penalty himself so that we can have life. And all we have to do is put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. And we say, God, I give you my life. And God will meet you. And he will take your life as you trust him, as you, as you hand over the reins, as you hand over control of your life to him and say, God, I want to follow you. I want to do what you want. I want to stop living my own way. I want to live your way. God will meet with you and He says that He will give you life and life abundant. He will forgive you of your sins. He will transform your mind. He will transform your heart. You will find new life in His presence. So as we take communion, let's reach out to God this morning and, uh, and enjoy that in our own time. Bless you, church, and uh, have a fantastic week.